Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Rolling big, cuddly, slippery. Okay, anyway. Headies. You you work on that, we'll come back to it. Tim's flagship podcast episode 322 I'm your host Jamie and the Celtic go nine points clear and I'm joined by Stephen welcome me flaggers and Melly yes unbelievable I mean we said before we broke up for the World Cup we wanted to get a firm grip we wanted to keep a hold of this league keep things ticking over keep it warm for daddy coming home <laughs> and Rangers are just laid out on a plate for us yeah, like Celtic have been winning they won the two games so did their part and you're like oh, come on you you're not going to get anything there. No. St Mirren, we struggled up there, but again, I'm always just prepare myself for the worst, hope for the best. Boy, oh boy, we got some of the best, didn't we? Drop points in Paisley, eh? And so what Stephen, uh, Stephen Robinson said prior to the match, if St Mirren played all their games at home, they would be top of the league. I think it's a bit of jiggery-pokery. I think he's also played more home games than the majority of the league anyway. Crucially, though... <laughs> You, you don't I mean you don't do that no it's not yeah. how it works yeah. it's not yeah. how it works but I don't want to slag St Mirren too much because you know they took <laughs> points off us as well yeah yeah uh, Rangers managed to get a better result and they end up um, they went to St Mirren and dropped points but I didn't see that coming no I, I didn't at all I'd really? all but given up on it um, no I didn't see it coming did you no, seen it coming, but well, there you go. Then shut up, Stephen. I mean, I was asked him at the weekend. He said Gio's beleaguered and look, the scraping, scraping by every yeah. single game, even the Hearts game, one 0 at home. Booze seem to be ringing out all over the place. So every game they're going into, you're like they could drop points here. It's, so it's always the unexpected ones, though, mm. isn't it? Because I, I remember we, there was an, a game coming up, a weekend coming up, where Celtic were playing Livingston and Rangers were playing Aberdeen, and I thought, "Ooh, I've got a, a wee eye on this. This could be a quite interesting one." And then just went out and gubbed Aberdeen, but it's always the smaller ones that that tends to trip them up. I don't think it could have been any more fun on that day, though. <laughs> I, it had well, of course, it would have been better if they'd lost altogether. But I think there was there was some late drama. And it went on for ages. There was nine extra minutes uh, added on because of a, a head knock. But I was on my way to the game when St Mirren scored. I was punching the roof of the car and all that. It was brilliant. And then I was uh, heading to the game and I completely lost signal. I was listening to sports or the uh, BBC Scotland on the way. Lost my signal. And it was only when I got to the game, a, a crowd, like a, a roar erupted from around the stadium. I was like, yeah, see, there, there we go. So I, I wasn't expecting it. I, I can't say I, I was expecting it, but I, what, I was... 
brilliant. What a start to the day it was. And really, Celtic just had to go out and get the job done to go nine points clear. It wasn't always plain sailing mm. at all. We'll get into that later on. But it's just it just shows you Celtic just find a way. Find a way, even in those circumstances. Because as much as it was great start to the day, a certain element of pressure goes on yep. the home yeah. team when that because the crowd are all turning up in party mode because they've obviously heard the result but the, the team need to remain focused and get the job done but we're all like well, we're going to hurry up and get these three points so we can go nine points clear so I, I, a thoroughly enjoyable day out How big a gap is it? Nine points, mate. So, oh. like, it's a... Uh, is it one hand on the title stuff? Is it? Is it stuff like that, you think? Uh, mm. Because we're sort of finishing up a bit earlier than usual, it's not the usual winter break. Mm. And, like, you kind of remember last year going into the winter break, Celtic drew 0-0 with St Mirren and fell six points behind. And at that point, we were just get to this break so we can get some players in and hope for the best. And... So going in six points behind was difficult for Celtic, but you thought, right, get a few players in. Doesn't he feel at this right now? Yeah. Because Celtic are a juggernaut. That's 14 wins out of 15 league games. That's incredible yeah. form. It's only really, the, well, in fact, it is only the Invincible treble that's ahead of it. I think they'd drawn one, one game by this point. So it's incredible form. And to turn this around, realistic, you're looking at Rangers win every single game. Every single game, having to beat us three times and not drop another point because well, Celtic are going to win a lot of games as well. So the goal difference as well is monumental. So it's going to be difficult, but that's not not our problem. What Celtic yeah. need to do is what we've done at the weekend and go out and win the games because we've seen if we just keep adding that wee bit of pressure where it looks like we're going to drop points, like last week at Dundee United, going into the last minute, we get the victory. Like during the week, more Motherwell come back into the game, get the victory, and like this one, go behind Ross County. And it's always these games coming up to this, like coming up to this break, don't drop points. Celtic could have easily dropped points in three games there. They chose not to. They chose to go out and win the games. Rangers dropped up points in two out of three of them. That's, I think that's what's important about Celtic keep getting these wins, though, Stephen, because if you're the Rangers manager, however it might be, come the, come the <laughs> end of the World Cup, it's, it's currently Giovanni. Um, if you're looking at this and as Melly says you, you've always done the equation in your head thinking how many games do we have to win well maybe Celtic will drop points here maybe Celtic will drop you're watching Celtic and going they just refuse to lose yeah. they absolutely will a bit like the template we absolutely will not stop and <laughs> even when you think we're out as Melly said or a goal behind or bad VAR decisions but we'll talk about we just keep winning 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 and it's getting a bit like it's getting a bit like seasons gone by where things haven't gone our way mm. and, you're, and you're looking across the, the road and you're looking across the water and you're going right well where are they going to drop points and you're just going they're never going to do it it's like head in the hands they're never going to do it. and that's what Rangers must feel watching us Rangers fans Rangers managers Rangers players and that's probably part of the reason why they look so disinterested because already November already they're looking at this league going What's the best we can hope for this season? The Scottish Cup? Still need to beat Celtic to win that. The League Cup? Nobody really cares about that. The League is everything. Yeah, the League yeah, is yeah. everything. Yeah. And and really, it's slipping out of grasp for them very, very quickly and there seems to be no way back. Well, look at that. In the past, I mean, I'm going back many years now, but we've had games where we've, or leagues rather, that we've failed to win the League and then won a Cup after that and nobody's really cared about mm. it. It's like one of those forgotten Cups. I think it happened in the 2005 a season won the cup after having blown the league and then nobody even remembers it I, de I defy anyone to remember anything about that game whatsoever so yeah the cups are a distant distant second here and all those calculations that you make 
it's always like, right, well, if Celtic do this, if Celtic drop points here, but that all of that is predicated on Rangers being able to continue winning or or start winning yeah. all of their games. And they've proven time and again this season that they're, they're not really capable of doing that. As much as I, I mean, I'm partially joking about the, is it one hand on the, the, the trophy just now? But I, I will be willing to have that conversation in January ish like see if we've beaten them again yeah, and yeah. and Celtic have potentially strengthened meanwhile Giovanni Van Bronckhorst is out there saying that he doesn't know what's going on with their transfer plans and all that with his transfer plans <laughs> well, well, with, with <laughs> which is astonishing when you think about his it his team's transfer plans yeah they asked them yeah, I don't know if this is specifically yeah, referring to this is you, you thinking of bringing a striker in January he goes oh, I don't know <laughs> right okay so <laughs> it's not Christmas Day, mate. You, know, you, you, you can't ask for something. You don't say, I don't want to impose. I don't, I don't want to say I want a striker. I'll just it's a bit. You just wait uh, to see what's under the trees. It's a bit, bit presumptuous of me to say I want a striker. He's going to scurry down the marble staircase <laughs> on Christmas Day. <laughs> Look under the tree. Oh, fuck nothing. Coal again. <laughs> Cholak. No, uh, doesn't, doesn't quite work, does it? I needed work. Yeah. Ruined it. <laughs> I, I, they're, they're, they're definitely beleaguered and I think the conversation isn't far off it's not far off we're talking about how they possibly come back from this because everything you look at them just now nothing's going well for them you can't really see how they're going to possibly turn it around all their best players all the players that they keep turning to in the press about how you, know, you need to play Morelos because in the past mm. he's been a genius he's been the guy who's dug them out of the hole I mean, it's done nothing no. he, he, he get booked after about a quarter of a second of the second <laughs> half against St Mirren and it was the thing that led directly to St Mirren scoring mm. as well was him taking a booking for nothing for just running into a guy Ryan Kent you'd be as well just no bother talking about anymore because he's a complete dud at this point of his Rangers career so I don't know I mean if they're waiting for guys to come back John Suter is that, who the, no. is that who's going to save them I, I had to laugh as well Barry Ferguson's in the press talking about how mm. they need they need more ex-Rangers players in there as well <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I, I, I don't admittedly I only saw the headline but Barry Ferguson says um, renowned football brain and genius yeah. Barry Ferguson <laughs> said uh, I really firmly believe we need a, an ex-Rangers player there. Who possibly could you mean, Barry? Because, we, well, obviously Giovanni is an ex-Rangers player. Everyone knows that. But for some reason, Giovanni doesn't count. But Barry's like, oh, we really need, you know, a guy with maybe Rangers captain, maybe a guy that played in, you know, down south, a Blackburn, but then came back. <laughs> maybe you need a guy like that. A guy with some short brown hair that doesn't have a hairstyle, you know? It's, it's almost like he's not including Giovanni Van Bronckhorst in his assessment there. Mm. And it kind of goes back to a conversation we had just last week about a certain type that they really go for oh, in that fan that base. Be? I won't bother. Give us the clicks. Go back and watch last mm. week's, week's episode for the description of what they kind of want in there. Well, my, point like was, my, my, no, my point was, was he's heavily insinuating to us himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, he, that's he, it. That, it's either him or Kevin Thompson. It's, that's, that's what he's doing. And Bob Malcolm. This is, all, <laughs> this is all predicated on the fact that Celtic are so good. That And this is all it comes down to. If if it was if we weren't the winning machine that we were, I firmly don't believe that the likes of if Kent and Morelos and all these guys they'd probably put in better performances because they'd have something to play for. But they know that the league's gone now. It, we're we're not allowed to say it because you know we'll get slagged for saying it swelly. But it's going to need a monumental turnaround from them and from Ange Postecoglou to to see Rangers get back into this league, Melly. And I just don't see Angela and Sanders slip. No, I don't either. I think it's going to be a case of keep winning. Celtic don't have any European distractions now. They do have a January window where we can actually strengthen our squad rather than anything else. So you're looking at it going, right, what's it got to take? A swing from Rangers to start winning all these games and a swing from Celtic to stop winning mm. all these games. So for that, you're looking at Celtic 
like last season when we were looking at it and we are going into the second half of the season believing because we can see progress. They can't see that. Mm. They are getting worse. They have had a terrible Champions League group where they get absolutely pasted in every game and they've got players coming up where Kent, Morelos, if MD ever wanted to speak to them in January, they can, don't know why. So you're looking at it going, right, okay, last season Celtic were sort of on the up. We've seen Celtic were going to bring in players and get better because something was building. We had a massive rebuild. Rangers, it's the opposite. They're going the opposite way. They're mm. going to have to have the rebuild in the summer. So looking at this, the point swing that would need to happen, the form swing, Celtic would need to lose, what, five games? Between, <laughs> You're laughing. between now and the end of the season they haven't done that in the last year mm. domestically and it just goes to show you everything can go your way when you're, when you're trying to make a football club tick can it I mean everything can go your way you can have uh, league success uh, Europa League final champ in the Champions League sell players for big money but it's no easy it's, no. it's, it's not it's not easy to come up against a, a winning machine that is that is Celtic so Back to sort of more domestic related matters, back to talking about the game and I want to talk to one player in particular who probably wants to talk to us, Stephen, maybe more you, uh, David Turnbull. <laughs> um, after us sitting last week saying that, it probably what inspired them, but after us yeah. sitting last week saying, you know, if you're looking at the squad as a whole, after Angie's comments about moving players on and wanting to blah, 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 we we fingered David uh, Turnbull <laughs> um, <laughs> as someone who might not want to, who might, whose contribution might be limited going forward. Andy Willie showed us. Yeah, well, that was an unpleasant description of that there, but mm. I, I don't think anything's changed from what I said. I, I mean, people will obviously come here and say, oh, I see haters, uh, what mm. you say now. I, I mean, I, what I said last week was that I think that David Turnbull is a really good player, but if you're wanting to evolve the squad, then eventually a certain level of ability should be upgraded mm. is that, that's the nature of upgrading any any it, squad it is quite fanciful but is it because like Celtic don't keep this squad and keep adding players players come and go so mm. that's that was my point why get rid of a David Turnbull the guy had more goal contributions than Tom Rogic last season so why would you just want uh, on you go mate if you're bringing in better fine but keep him build a squad that way uh, well I I mean but if it's if you're asking me who uh, would I rather get rid of Matt O'Reilly, Hatati, or David Turnbull? Could I, do I think I could improve on any of those players? It would be David Turnbull, and that's what I mean by making a squad better mm. by by sort of refreshing things. You don't get rid of your best players. We will do that as well. Yeah. yeah. But I mean to bring up the overall quality of the squad. Get rid of Aaron Moy then. Yeah. Well, I definitely we'll definitely do that as yeah. well. That that'll definitely time happen. Time will get rid of Aaron Moy. I think in time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't really have any further to go with this point. It's Not just that he's going to die. By no. the way, <laughs> he will age out of the he will age out of the Celtic team. Yeah. But David, this week, brilliant, uh, a fantastic assist for Maida's goal mm. and you know a, a nice. nice Taking good composure for the the first goal against Ross County, but yeah, he's good. I just thought I thought Stephen wouldn't eat his words. But I wonder if your I wonder if your <laughs> yeah. perspective has changed. But he's he's sticking by it, Martin Melly. Uh, David Turnbull's midfield mate there, Rio Hattati, was unbelievable. Yeah. How good! I mean, we're going to talk about the sales in the World Cup, but I, I can't wait to see how good Japan are because if he <laughs> yeah. cannot get in that yeah. Japan team, yeah, you're looking at him and Kyogo going right. Fair enough, boys. You sort of control the control, we'll do what you can. What could they have done more to get into our World Cup squad? Because no. the two of them are playing in the Champions League, not a lot of the rest of them, like you said, on the Breakfast of Champions, aren't doing that. But 
Hattati and Kyogo are performing mm. week in, week out for Celtic. Maybe not Champions League level because it's so difficult, but Real Hattati especially, some of the touches, the passing, there was a ball that dropped him in the middle of the park and he just works his feet and plays it away. And like you said a few weeks, Stephen, I go, everything good Celtic do, Real Hattati is at the centre of. He's maybe not the guy making the assist, but he's starting off the move. He's making that pass to someone. And the, the guy's just a pleasure to watch. And like, he's still improving for me. There's still some things he can do. Some f- at the end of the game, he, he sort of collapsed on the turf. And I thought, you need this break, mate. There's been a few games recently because it's been tight. We haven't been able to substitute guys like him and O'Reilly. And with Cal McGregor being suspended, it's sort of stretching those midfield options. So having him in there, he's just a pleasure to watch. Maybe that fitness thing in this break now will do him a, the world of good because we've seen last season how he's come back from having that break. But what a player to watch. He's just unbelievable. Sometimes he can go in and out of games, but see when he's in the game, there's not much better. Do you remember uh, last season, Rio Hattati, was either he wrote a, an article on his own or he did an oh, interview. Oh, it was a blog or something, a, wasn't it? A yeah. blog guy and he was talking about how he was disappointed with his performance yeah. and he'd not adjusted to Scotland and he felt like he didn't show the fans that he him, but he felt once he got time to adjust to the Scottish football and the culture and the city and all that, he, he felt like, I'll, I'll feel a lot better and I'll be able to show the real fans. That, that, that That's the face I made when I was thinking about it. You, you sort of think, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's come true. That's kind yeah. of like, what that's what he needed. And he was obviously very honest with himself. But looking at him now, you go, God, he's settled. Well, these guys are, they're human beings at the end of the day. They, they deserve the right to do that. They deserve the right to adjust to new surroundings, especially coming from Japan as well. It's not a well-trodden path. We have had players from Japan before, of course, the well, famously Nakamura, and I'd uh, even go as far as to say that Hatate is the Japanese Nakamura. I think he is. <laughs> think so? I, I think he is. <laughs> I think he's a, a new version. But actually, it, it conjures up like the the old conversations about the COVID season. Remember, we we had the conversations about Barkas and Duffy and all that, and how we expected them to perform. But then you think about the circumstances they had to play in, yeah. and it just ruined things for them. It's not necessarily that anyone's a bad player. But we do need to remember that these guys are just guys. That they, they're just young guys at the end of the day. And Hatati is, you know, he's not necessarily all that young a player, but he did deserve that that bedding in period because what was clear from right away about Hatati was how good a player he was because he burst onto the scene. It's not like he took his time showing what he's got. He, he burst onto the scene and, and played really well straight away. Massive goals, the, the one against Hearts, against Rangers and everything. So... It was just that it dipped off and that that was the the bedding in period that he deserved. But on the international thing, obviously it was kind of big news here that he wasn't making the World Cup squad. I don't know what the situation is there. I don't know what the dynamic is in that squad. But I think it might just be that you know, the, the Japan play, a Japan manager might just be aware of and think, well, I just, I've just no get space. I've just no get space for that type of guy. He might have other players who are quite similar, who are more established because... While everyone's been talking about how Hatate has only been a professional footballer for like three years or something like that, other players might have just become more established in that time and he's just you're missed being, the kind of window. You're being too understanding. <laughs> These decisions are going to cost the Japan manager's job. <laughs> Possibly. Because that's what happens in international football. There'll be expectations for this tournament. If Japan don't reach it, immediately the Japanese press and the Japanese fans are going to go, well, hold on a minute. We had two guys playing in the Champions League. One of them in Kyogo was the top goal scorer in Japan, moved to Scotland as the top goal scorer there last year, might end up the top goal scorer this year. You've got Real Matati pulling the strings against Real Madrid. They can't get into this team and we can't get out of the group. 
you're sacked and I think that's probably <laughs> what's going to happen because it's I think we're giving we're too precious with this we're giving them far too much credit those two players need to be in a World Cup squad and, and Melly, Melly sort of said it what more could you possibly expect Aye. the pair of them to do you know if they're on if they're on their, their international manager going right so all these things I've done what else do I need to do to get into your Japan team and if you're saying ah well you know Kenny doesn't fit the system bollocks as far as I'm concerned <laughs> I, I, I do know of the, of the little I do know about the Japan team they've got that guy Kamada who I was pissed off with in the he Europa League final because he was rotten against Rangers they've got a guy breaking through at Brighton who scored a couple of goals recently he's got an amazing scoring record from midfield so it might just be just be un fortunate that he's just no found a space in the 26-man squad. He'll go, I'm more surprised that, to yeah. be honest. Hatati's only got one cap, mm. and it was, I think, maybe recently, fairly recently, so he doesn't have the, that international pedigree just yet. It may just have come along too soon for him. He'll go, I'm really surprised that, though, how they didn't find a, a place in a 26-man squad for him, but also did. I know they're different players, but the idea that Maida get in and Kyogo didn't is puzzling to me. So I'm not sure what's going on there. But Hatati, I did understand, is as surprised as we were at how amazing he's been recently because he's been a genius for Celtic this mm. season, like proper standout stuff. And I don't really care that sometimes he dips off a little bit, sometimes he misplaces passes. So what? Because yeah. what we've right. seen the enormous positive he brings to the team. And I'll reiterate, Melly's already mentioned it, but what I said a few weeks ago is that. I'm almost certain you could trace back almost all of this season. We've only played 15 league games so far. If you looked back at 60% of those goals, I bet they've come from something that Hatate has mm. done. Not necessarily the assist, but he will have been involved in some way or other. I mean, Add in Kyogo's finishing to that, then aye, aye. these Japanese players are, are <laughs> maybe what, 80-odd percent involved in 80% of Celtic's goals. Yet yeah. I, get, I get the Hatate thing because he has one cap. I'm astounded by it, but the Kyogo thing, you're like, you bring a guy like that, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's not as if the guy's ahead of him. I'm going, well, okay, he's playing in Serie A, he's doing this, he's doing that. They don't look up to the calibre of Kyogo, so he's obviously just picked somebody else, which is weird. And it's uh, it's un it's unfortunate for Kyogo, because as we've discussed before, he probably won't get another chance to feature at the no, World Cup, no. given what age he is, but at Rio Hitati, the opportunity might come up for him again. Um, good, good for Celtic, but isn't it? Like, well, I, yeah. We're looking at this going, right, so if, if if Celtic were going to relinquish this league title, all players have to go downhill rapidly. And with O'Reilly, Hatati, Kyogo, Giacomakis, if obviously if they don't get injured, all these guys getting rested up, Callum McGregor coming back, a signing or two in January. Are you going to get better? <laughs> well, yeah, we probably are. See, if we are going to improve though, uh, Matt O'Reilly needs to stop handling that football. <laughs> The idiot. We, we need a we need a jingle for this or a graphic where I go like that, and then we, we this is the section of the podcast oh. where we talk about VAR referees of Scotland <laughs> by bringing in VAR. You took a massive shit with your clothes on. <laughs> That's what you've done. You have to, because yeah. once again, and Ange's Ange said, I think he's finally given up on it. Yeah, he's been right. like, I'm sick of talking about it. One thing I found quite interesting with Ange was. He skewered the Scottish press and mm. I'm so glad he did. He goes, I came from Australia, which when I arrived here, I was told there's some sort of footballing backwater. <laughs> we famously said on a podcast, it's us that's the backwater. So <laughs> yeah, he's not yeah. including us in that, right? He goes, we had VAR five years ago and, and you're bringing it in. It's four or five years old in Australia and you're bringing it in with fanfare. He goes, you should have just brought it in and it's ready to go. He goes, I don't have time for teething problems. You shouldn't have teething the problem for something that's been here. Just bring it in when it's ready and then yeah. we, we can stop talking about it. 
But the fact of the matter is, it's it, it's it's quite astounding to suggest this, right? But the referee in melee has gotten worse. It's gotten worse with VAR. <laughs> I, I don't know if I don't it know has. How. I don't know if it has. I think this was just always the case, and mm. this is what we thought. Like, you just mean instead of being wrong once, now they get to be wrong twice. Yeah, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even simple decisions, like even for the Ryan Kent penalty for Rangers, that's a penalty. Aye, aye. And then you get boots for diving, didn't yeah, yeah. Boots for diving. So like, to get that so far wrong, and again, it's looking at the decisions again. The Matt O'Reilly one, like what was the guy to do? What was the guy to do? Not play with hands. It's mm. impossible. But then Anthony Ralston crosses a ball. It hits a guy's hand, and it's not a penalty. Wait, wait, what's, what's so, the so my, my problem here is right. The the off the offside rule. The hand. We'll talk about offside in a minute. The, <laughs> the handball rule is so open to interpretation, right? That seemingly referees can just give it whenever they want if it just hits your hand, right? But as Melly says, they're also not giving it for the exact same yeah, things, yeah. and there's. And somebody needs to explain it. It's not just us. Michael Stewart, boy, he was furious. Yeah, Michael he was Stewart beside was, himself. He was beside <laughs> because nobody, refs, nobody can get their head around this. Nobody can understand why, as you say, the the O'Reilly one was, but the other one wasn't, or the one at Hearts, or living all, the, all these penalties that are being given. I, I I got a stat. I dug out a stat right, and I had to talk take it on my phone here. So my apologies. Whilst I looked down at my phone, highly unprofessional, right. 63 games pre-VAR, I presume that's this year or this season, right? 63 fixtures, right? 17 penalties, right? Hmm? 25, 18 penalties. <laughs> 25, right? 25 post-VAR. Penalties in 18 games. Yes, yeah, post-VAR. Uh, 20, 20, 18 penalties in 25, 25 fixtures post-VAR. Nearly what a game. Is, it, it, we are apparently, when England brought VAR in, their penalties went down. <laughs> <laughs> Hours of skyrocketed. <laughs> Everything's a penalty. Aye. Can I ask you, like, we all knew this was coming in. We all thought this was going to be a shit show. Did you ever think it'd be this bad? No, well, I mean, I have to laugh now that thinking back to the post or the pre-VAR chat about how this was going to solve all the problems. Remember, we were all gloating at each other. Remember, like, fans of different teams are all gloating at each other. I see when VAR comes in, this is going to take this away for you. You are going to be the suffering the most from VAR. It turns out it's just basically ruined the game here. <laughs> and the, the thing, see about VAR, right? It's, it's, like a, it's like a red herring here. It, that's not the problem. VAR, it, too often people mm -hmm. talk about VAR as if it's some sort of malevolent robot that's yeah. come in to take over the place and ruin the game. VAR's just a tool. It's just a... It's, it's, just it's a actually just a guy. Aye, well, it's, a, it's a man well, it, I mean, <laughs> in a room. Aye, it, but the, the, the system, it, people talk like it's an AI or something mm. like that that's just decided to come in and just just mess shit up and just ruin yeah. the game. That's not what's happened. It's just, it's just a tool. It's just a device that people use to... or a, a method of devices that people use to get decisions right, mm. it's still going through the same brains that, yeah. that, that have always been, and that's the problem. It's not that, that VAR has been introduced. Problem, it? it's, it's really, but I mean, some of the decisions we got on Saturday, right, there was the one, I mean, the, the handball oh, itself. That, that, we're talking about VAR, but this is about purely the referee's yeah, performance, yeah. nothing to do with VAR. It was baffling to me wasn't it we were at the game and we yeah. couldn't make head nor tail there was booze at half time <laughs> there was booze at half time and not in a good way that has B-O-O-S strictly none of that in Scottish football God forbid but um, <laughs> what is it the, the decision in the first half was that where the keeper claimed the ball dropped it at his feet Kyogo come in to challenge him so he picks it back up again and immediately <laughs> Kyogo is... turns around and I, I, I'll admit at the stadium I was just like 
what? It just get what has happened there, right? Kyogo immediately looks to the ref, so everyone else knows the rules, mm. right? And the ref just makes something up. Yeah, he just makes that is astounding. It, literally makes it up. And I'm convinced, right? I'm convinced that these refs have now gotten into a, a situation where it's more than they bargained for. They they probably get into this when it was dead easy and no VAR has shown these people up for yep. I mean, I don't think the referee has got worse. I agree with me. I think it's just exposing them now for, for what's happened. This hasn't nothing to do with VAR, but I'm convinced now that they're all out there exposed, mm. like the proverbial, when you switch the light on or the cockroaches scurry yes. into the corner and all that, right? So that's, <laughs> that's a, a very, um, very um, pleasing image there for, for referees. But anyway, I'm convinced now that they are now avoiding making decisions that, that they think are going to get them out of trouble. So to see these little obscure decisions that are still part of mm. the rules. So for example, like the wee ones, like full throws, Stealing 10 yards at a throw-in, taking a free kick from wherever you want, time-wasting, stuff like that, and especially this re-picking up the ball thing. They don't want anything to do with it because it's it makes them seem anal. I want and to mildly disagree with you yeah. there. I think the picking up the ball thing was he didn't want to give that because he knew it would absolutely result in a Celtic goal. Well, it's, I mean, Because he's like, if I do this, the game's a bogey. And it, 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 the way he just dismissed the David Turnbull, that get away, get away, and then made up some sort of rule. I mean, we've joked about it before on the, this podcast how... Scottish football refereeing it's not so much you know, a strict adherence to a codified rule book of how the game should be played it's just a vibe I don't really feel like that should be an indirect free kick to Celtic because it'll kind of ruin the game so w w why don't we all just agree to play on well that's not how football works they're just so rare they see those indirect free kicks inside the box they're just so so rarely given I just think he just didn't want to be one of those guys who gave one in case it did lead to a goal and it's all of a sudden it's a controversy because nobody else gives those types of free definitely kicks definitely not play on though no it's not it's not play on and it certainly isn't a free kick to Ross County which is what they gave so he just made something up yeah. I think I think just prior to that had had someone jumped along with the keeper so the keeper mm. come up and got it someone jumped with him and I think he gave the free kick for that I just, again, you've, you've just completely made that up. Completely they don't, made I don't up. think they write things down. They have to do a match report. Maybe they do write it down, but we certainly don't see it. Just when you mentioned throw-ins there, just to heart back to the Motherwell game, is there a rule against hitting the ball off a Celtic player's <laughs> head when he's not even on the pitch before a throw-in? That, again, was peculiar to me. Don't comment on it, actually. I don't yeah. want to drag us all the way to the, the, the Motherwell game. But I, the, the, the refereeing standard and the fact that we're here every week talking about it and it's great that Celtic are winning because it means you know you get a chance to moan about it because you're not allowed to moan about it but it's it's just it's it's almost on the verge of pure comedy now I, I'd be tempted to sorry mate I'll, I'll, I'm going to let you finish but <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll be tempted to say this is like don't I'm, come over all can you I'm, <laughs> oh God, we don't no. need any conspiracy <laughs> theories about why Mars went well, wrong on conspiracy theories I bet Kanye's got some ideas oh that, yeah, yeah yeah. I, I reckon whose fault is yeah, I, <laughs> no we don't agree instead. no 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 <laughs> Uh, well on conspiracy theories you'd be tempted to look at this and say it's like a massive problem in Scottish football and it is there's no doubt about it that it's, it's terrible in Scotland but then we went into the Champions League against Real Madrid and had one of the worst refereeing performances we've had this yeah. season as well I can't remember her name but she looked completely out of her depth in that game as well so it's not even she's going to the World Cup though no Scottish refs are but she well, is well there we yeah. go I mean I have forgotten her name as well but I did see she was that's the absolutely list. fine still yeah. better than Scottish refs however yeah. still wasn't it great it wasn't <laughs> a great refereeing performance that night so it's not even as if I can zero in on it just being a Scottish problem it just seems to be, it seems to be across the board to be board. fair I, I'd you know without getting into an elongated back and forth I think it's much worse than Scotland oh, it is, I, yeah, I, I yeah. think it's much much but it's worse. not exclusively is no, it's my point yeah. bad referees yeah. isn't exclusive to Scotland mainly but I mean 
It's un, it's unfathomable. Like as you say, you're sitting at the stadium and you're watching these games and you're just thinking, what 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 rule, what rule is that you've implemented? That that's my major problem is that what you just said a couple of minutes ago is like see if they were sort of abiding by this these rules strictly and you can go right okay. We know why he's given that because every ball that hits hand is a penalty or if a keeper does that, that's a free kick. If they were so anal about it, you could go, well, they're just really sticking to the rules, but they're out there, get a new rule book. They're making up their own <laughs> rule books as they go. And, and that's the problem. We're all looking at this going, explain that decision to me. And the one as well where Haksabanovic gets booked because him and a guy jump and the guy hurts himself while jumping. Yeah. Where's the free kick there? Where, where's the... Where's the injury caused there? It's mm. an accident, and yet, even if it was that, why are booking? Because people are annoyed or hurt. There's no. It was one of the worst refereeing performances I've seen. Not huge decisions, but just wee decisions. You're like, what is going on here? That this is. Is this guy just been drafted in somewhere and he doesn't know what he's doing? Because it looks baffling, and you're looking at Vara's on top of that as well. It's like every goal that goes in, you're sort of second guessing. Like, is this going to be? Even goals that, that and there's no way VAR can look at and yet they're still holding their ear. Like, you don't see anything, so there's nothing clear and obvious to do with that. See, to an extent, going to the games, right, going to see live football, you're always at a disadvantage from a, a televised audience. Some things you see better, some things you don't see at all. Clearly, you don't get the benefit of replays or anything yeah. like that when you're at the game. That's To an extent, that's always going to be the case and you're always going to be missing certain things. But I'm genuinely coming away from these games thinking, I don't understand half of what went on in that game. <laughs> and, and you're having, at like, halftime, I'm consulting group chats and all that. I'm trying to get some sort of Tweet about what the what this decision is. No, you're referring to the, the best Celtic community online, which is twenty minute times. Yeah, of course, yeah, of course. The Discord is always always on top of these things. But I, I'm honestly that we are we I, we've mentioned it a number of times. But Patreon.com/slash twenty minute times. We do it at the match podcast. We record yards from the stadium. And I'm having to go on there and say, I, I, I don't know what happened yeah. there. I'm going to need to see it back. Sorry, can we talk about something else? Like Arsene Wenger, aren't you? <laughs> I, I didn't see it, but I'm honestly, I, I don't. I can't process these refereeing decisions at all until I've seen the game back, which is bizarre to which me. Which is which is actually, Stephen, what you've touched on there is is really crucial. You know, joking aside and all this sort of stuff, the f fundamentals of football have completely changed. You're absolutely yeah. right because football is a sport. It's a spectator sport. You should understand fully what's going on in the game at the time as a guy sitting in the ground or a girl, obviously, but if you're sitting in the ground... I said, I, my tone there was like girls should be like oh bloody you know if you're ticking boxes letting girls watch the football that's not what I watched bloody refs and everything these days as well what I mean is if you're watching the game you should be able to understand you shouldn't have to refer back to a videotape of right okay so that happened so that right okay then and then you're googling the rules and then you're watching slow-mos it's the game is just is it gone? Is the game gone? <laughs> going to need to hand us out a little printed out guides as we right. walk into the stadium we say to try and fathom out these rules as they're happening the, the big problem as well is like it seems like now that VAR's in the refs have been like right just get to this World Cup break just get to yeah, it like Rangers just get to it unscathed that hasn't happened but probably with Rangers they're going to keep a hold of Bran Brockers so what's going to change with these referees in this break nothing's going to change no. remember they brought this in early because they thought it was a good idea it's ready to go and they've just been completely shown up that it's 
VAR is ready, apart from that one in the Motherwell game. Yes. These referees are not ready and they're not going to be ready in four weeks' time when we start again. Not going to be ready at the end of this season. The referees need a complete overhaul in this country. Oh, a final thing on that, a final thing, because see past joking about it, I like mm. joking about the referees and decisions and all that, but see when it becomes infuriating and I can't understand that, as I say, while walking away for the game, completely baffled by what I've seen. I don't, I don't really like talking about it. It saps a life out of me. We'd never mm. get any podcasting so we could sit here and talk about refereeing decisions every week. It's not funny, an, though. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that it's it's funny, but then once it kind of goes past that, to be serious for a single second, if if I'm allowed on here, um, I think we're heading towards something with these referees, and I'm not talking about some sort of uprising. I'm not strike. Calling, I'm, I, I could be. I mm. do you remember that time they went on strike and we got a load of better referees. <laughs> <laughs> Don't threaten us with a good time. Never, spoke, <laughs> never, never spoken about that again. See if you keep this up, we'll go and strike in the middle of the guys from Malta and Slovakia <laughs> coming in refereeing the games. It was perfectly fine and nothing went awry. But no, you're right because there's no way this level of criticism could keep up, and it's not no. us just as you say shitting about on the podcast having a joke about it. It is genuinely football pundits, even guys who are usually quite mild-mannered, every single pundit, every manager is looking at this going, you have made an arse of this. Yeah. You've really, really made an arse of this. And as Melly said, it's not just linesmen, it's not just referees. The linesman's decision at the Motherwell game for the Jota goal, that was kind of more a technical fallout from VAR. I think the I think the linesman, Jota, I initially thought Jota was offside. And I think Jota thought he was offside as well because you, just his reaction was muted mm. and the way he looked. And he was kind of looking over at the linesman. I think the linesman flagged for it. Yeah, but one of the cameras was looking at, at the dugout and they didn't have an angle to show. And you just think this is like, this is basics. Do you know, just as an aside, the World Cup is going to have AI offside calls. Right. Um, yeah. That's not a prelude to joke. That's the new thing. They're going to have like AI automated offside calls. <laughs> just you wait till 2030, mate. We'll have I that. Know, we'll have a speaking spell, <laughs> spitting things out at the side a of the pit. A VTEC. A <laughs> But see, see with the Motherwell decision there, mm. like, We've barely even talked about Ross County get a penalty from that one, but the Motherwell one as well with Jota's offside. Again, there is no way the linesman can tell that is clearly offside, can no. he? He put his flag up straight away. And even with VAR looking at that multiple times, okay, the camera's not on properly, but how can you as a linesman say definitively that's offside? It's a guess again for me. 
so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's never too early to play holiday music and it's never too early to start thinking about gifts. Whether it's for a friend or the friend in your pants, you can make this season jolly with Manscaped. Do your little drummer boy a favour and use the Lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add in Manscaped's top-of-the-line shower products that have the people thinking, all I want for Christmas is you. Santa cares about his sack. And so should you. Look nice when you get naughty by going to manscaped.com and use the code TIMS for free shipping and 20% off, Stephen. That's right, Jamie. Now that you've groomed your candy cane, it's time to make sure you don't smell like a reindeer with the Platinum Packages shower products. All of Manscaped's shower gear is sulfate-free, vegan, and made to have your skin feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. But smelling good doesn't stop at the shower. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner, yep, can solve stank problems all day long. Once they touch your sack, you'll never go back. Wonderful. Uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code TIMS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code TIMS. Manscaped, get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. Right, we've done the VAR thing. We've done, we've done the referees and we've done all that. Handballs aside, uh, handballs aside though, Matt O'Reilly has been sensational recently. Oh, I think he deserves huge credit for what he's done this season. We've always, I think across the, the fan base, we've all been talking about how far he's come in this season or this year since he's been come on to the scene with MK Dons and come all the way up to Celtic. So he's gone from League One to the Champions League. We've all made that that point. We've all seen the the comparisons, the pictures of him picking up an award in League One and then picking up his man of the match in the Champions League. I'd even go further than that to say like ah, it's it's great that he plays in the Champions League and and makes a like yeah does quite well looks shows up pretty well against these players doesn't look in, at all out of place. But even when you look at what he's actually doing for Celtic as well, you know, the brilliant assist for Kyogo's goal um, during the week there. It's not just that, the the role he's been asked to play in this team. Yeah. So he comes in and he's a sort of, on the surface of things, a quite attacking-minded midfielder. Comparisons to, not direct comparisons, but replacement for Rogic chat is made, right? So that that's the kind of thing that's circling around Matt O'Reilly. Looks a nice elegant player nice and creative and all that but now he's just playing a completely different role and arguably he has gone from being this league one footballer to potentially playing the most important role in Celtic's team and that's huge that he's come in and replaced Callum McGregor who we all said and I, I, I would still say is irreplaceable he's not, he doesn't bring exactly what Callum McGregor does but he's come in and settled into basically playing the most important role arguably in the team and has been absolutely brilliant at it I think there was an interview he gave uh, not so long ago I think when it was at Fulham 
where he said he's not really comfortable in that role. I think a previous manager had identified that he could play in that sort of number six or as a deeper line role. He's good at it, but he doesn't particularly enjoy it. And that's, you know, he kind of wanted to play a wee bit further forward. But quite often in football, we say, we talk about guys who who never complain, right? He just Mm. gets on with it as sort of shorthand for he's shite, but he runs around a lot. But I think it actually applies quite helpfully here in that he's just getting on with it. He's just getting on this crucial role in the Celtic midfield and has been playing extremely well. Was he flawless in the Champions League? Did he... Did he like boss it against Real Madrid? Maybe not, but he's, mm. he's still young, he's still learning. I think he's, he deserves credit for how he's gone about his business because we all expected it to be Abelgaard. We never expected for a single no. second for yeah. O'Reilly to... I forgot he existed, did you mention <laughs> exactly, that? Exactly, a total mystery. But the first time he played, everyone's like, I, I don't know about that. Mm. But would you really, I mean, are you turning up to any game now and seeing O'Reilly in that role and thinking, oh, we look seriously weak in there? Not at all for me. It's no. the physical side of the game as well he's really taken to Melly. Yeah, as in, he's got that sort of... St- the Kyogo assist is just just shows what he can do because like in a defensive side he, he managed to press the guy into the mistake wins the ball back but he can he can win the ball back he breaks up a lot of attacks for Celtic he starts a lot of attacks and I'm now looking at it going I was worried when Cal McGregor came out of the team I thought in the Mullerwell game Celtic did miss him because I've felt in the last few games we've missed that guy who knows where to drop in to get the ball and do that but Matt O'Reilly has been brilliant I can't fault the guy and look Celtic have won every game and domestically that Cal McGregor hasn't been there and to say you've lost your captain the guy we thought was irreplaceable absolute pivotal in this team for somebody else to drop a position that's not their own position and play in there is brilliant so again I'll put it on you is what happens when Cal McGregor comes back does O'Reilly move forward or does Cal McGregor move Sell forward Sell McGregor get him out fraud <laughs> him and Turnbull get them out <laughs> three <laughs> midfielders for the rest of the season <laughs> McCarthy's one of them Eddie Gucci's another uh, I, don't, I don't know I think he just moves back into a, a more attacking a... Jamie won't sit in the fence come on Callum McGregor goes back to Callum McGregor's position. He put Matt O'Reilly yeah. forward. I think that. I think that's what's going to happen. See, on he the, the you're sitting the fence. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I totally agree. I think he'll just move forward. I think we'll go back to the sort of O'Reilly Hatati McGregor mm. axis in there. But uh, when oh, you were, sounds good, doesn't yeah, it? Sounds when you, good. When you were talking about missing what about McGregor, David Turnbull, eh? <laughs> he comes in next. <laughs> uh, comes in, scores, makes me shut up, and then moves on. <laughs> On the Missy McGregor thing, there was a moment very early on against Motherwell where they they actually almost scored. You know, Van Veen went yeah. through and hit the post, but that mm. came from Starfelt coming out with the ball and he tries to pass it out to Atati. It's a decent pass, but Atati just waits on it and it, it, gets, it gets stolen off him. They break forward and hit the post. Just on don't that think that happens with Callum McGregor on the team because no. I think he drops in to take the ball off Starfelt probably in a better position. On that moment, what did you think of Joe Hart? Uh, made a wid. Mm, yeah, he was he was quite slow there. He, he was moving like uh, dusty old Alan McGregor <laughs> a wee bit. Uh, I, I still love Joe Hart. I think he's been great for Celtic. And but I'm starting to look at him in games. While he hasn't made any massive mistakes, it's starting to look like right. Come the summer, I think it will be time. Yeah. If Joe Hart come the summer has two league titles under his belt, played in the Champions League with Celtic, and possibly another couple of trophies, you're going. Joe, you deserve to walk off into the sunset. But just right now, while he's still good and still doing his job, I think in the summer is the time to go. 
At least 36 at the end of the season is Joe yeah. Hart. He could, I mean, there's no shame in that. We've had players no. that have come in, Colo like great example, comes in at the last stage of his career, gives us a couple of solid years. Ian Wright. Ian Wright. <laughs> we, we could go on. Carlton Cole. Carlton Cole. <laughs> uh, Big Z. <laughs> so many. Dion Dublin, who could forget? <laughs> they've, all, they've, all, they've all done a turn for us. But um, I, Joe Hart, I think, I think Melly's right. I think Joe Hart's been good for us. We were big backers of Joe Hart in this podcast. Oh, yes. One of the few. If we have yeah. to pat ourselves in the back, one of the few backers of Joe Hart in this podcast, he's been terrific for us. But I think, as you say, Melly, just on that that specific moment, I was like, God, he's a bit, he's a bit creaky. It's, it's starting to, he is starting to groan a little under the the pressure, the physical pressure. I, I would suggest though that maybe a break will do him good. He's going yeah. to get that just now. Now again, it's not a miracle cure. It's not going to turn around the you know, potentially struggling. 36 year olds not going to turn them around entirely just getting a month off and a wee bit of warm weather training and all that in Australia That I don't think that's going to necessarily fix everything but it's early days for this I think he still deserves to play but he's been absolutely sensational for Celtic he's yep. been absolutely terrific over the over the piece and not just the massive saves because he's still been making those he's oh. made huge saves in the Champions League as well but the, the intangibles the leadership he's brought to this team in the absence of guys like Scott Brown and all that I think has been invaluable However, you do get to a point where all of that stuff doesn't outweigh not being able to mm. deliver on the pitch anymore. And if he is a little bit, if we're, we're dealing in a, a game with, with small margins on it, if he's just that wee second slower getting off his line, if he's not coming claiming things in the box and all that, that, that is a, a difficulty for this team. However, I, I, I would say it's, it's a mild concern at the moment with something to possibly keep an eye on going forward but eventually it will come we will have to replace him and, and move on there's been a couple of crosses flashed across we like come for that you mm, need yeah, to come yeah. for that and then there's the usual one where the ball's passed to him and he turns inside on his line like Joe come on <laughs> yeah. I, I'm all for like, a few of the guys are just hoof it away like we're trying to play football but it's getting dangerously to the point where one of them's going to slip into the net <laughs> but this is where we'll sort of see what Celtic and Andrew are made of and I think we will whether it be January which I doubt it will because Celtic have got just domestic duties mm. going forward but in the summer I think it will be right Joe you've come and done a fantastic job but let's leave on a high here and let's if we're looking at it in the summer that's a position where Celtic will go see to go to the next level we need to bring in somebody. Here's a painting of a Spitfire, some gift vouchers <laughs> for home base. Thanks yeah. very much, Joe. It's been a pleasure. I mean, I, I don't think <laughs> we would. Is home base I don't think we would put Joe out to pasture. I think he's a professional enough. I think we'd probably maybe allow him to make the decision. Of course, then, if he didn't make the decision, we would put him out to pasture. But I think at 36, Joe Hart might also look at it and go, maybe, maybe it's time to move on. It, Melly's been choking this whole podcast to talk about Sead Haxabanovich. Oh, so love him. Love here him. you are. Yeah, I just think he's been class recently and I think again with him I think once this breaks out the way I think second half of the season we're really going to see the best of him coming in late in the window you always wonder how's it going to work out because you come in then bang straight into the Champions League games it's difficult but he's looked class and again with missing Jota you're like ah, that's going to be difficult for Celtic he's come in and done just as well if we can get the two of them in the team he's been playing well he's now adding goals to that and it's it's winning goals now it's not just the fourth in a 4-0 win or whatever that was a winning goal where it's just lovely to watch it's just it's, he's done it like a bowling ball just like a curling right, right into the corner 
pure precision. Precision, so precision beats power. Is, Stephen, what, what is the thing that, that you you should do but with a bowling ball? Right down the middle. Right probably, down the yeah, middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really no, want you get a wee curve on it. No, you just, so you really. It's like the whole thing about the bowling ball is it's supposed to go right down the middle. Yeah, you get but, a wee curve on it, then it comes right, right, the uh, right into the bottom corner. <laughs> the bottom ball. I, I, no, I, do, I did like that analogy, but it ultimately doesn't work with bowling. But I do, I do <laughs> like bowls, it. Bowls really yeah. stink. No, uh, not oh, yeah, ten pin yeah. bowling bowls. Sorry, right, okay. mistake. Oh, that, that goal was brilliant. I, I, another one that I didn't fully appreciate until I got up the road yeah. and saw it back again. It, it was very reminiscent of, remember Gary Hoople's against Rangers all yeah. those oh, years ago? Where it, where it almost looked as if it was passed until it just sort of curled into the bottom corner. The the way it just just passed it in as well, the the level of casual uh, there was. it was. Cal the, McGregor used to have a goal yeah, like that, yeah, I remember. That, well, for that goal, it's a, Hatate again pivotal and it just he he's the one that plays it into again he'd set up the first one as well but he just knocks it into him and he just passes it into the bottom corner with the demeanour of a man who was closing the fridge door with his hip basically <laughs> that, like a like a man nutmegging a toddler at a wedding or oh, something right, like, okay. with, a, with a balloon that's that's how easy <laughs> that's, that's how easy he made that look uh, I, I an absolutely brilliant goal really really satisfying one to watch and it is with the with his double that he got very recently and that it was just the one thing that's been missing from his game yeah. was a couple of goals and I think now that he's got some it, it just seems as if it's just going to continue always nice as well because Celtic were trailing at that point and uh, what was it Abada uh, Jota and Jackie Marcus were standing on the touch line ready to come on yeah, and yeah. you just kind of know it's going to be free forwards for free forwards and just to sign off well take me off now then I've done my bit it's just a touch of class from him Especially as well with the the tumble goal, seeing Jota jump on, and you're just like, we can bring on Jota, Jackie Marcus, Abada, Ross County. While they were, they didn't. I, I don't know. It was weird. They didn't look a terrible team, but they have been playing no. poor this season, mm. and it looked, it looked like a matter of time before Celtic got the goal. But just thinking, the depth we have there, and when you're, I'm talking about going into this break and then coming back after that, like. Starfelt's back up and running. McGregor should be back then. Haksabanovic and Jota should be in the team. We've got two strikers banging in the goals. So you're like, right, okay, this monumental swing is going to take. It's going to happen, is it? It's not going to happen. We have got the big break coming up. And, you know, some players will probably do the only Lennon off to Dubai for a couple of beers. <laughs> Nothing illegal. Breaking yeah, no rules. Break. Uh, yeah. snooker based game show from the 90s I am reluctant to travel any further down that <laughs> in case we isolate any of our audience right okay um, but then the ones that are going to the World Cup don't make them like anymore no okay <laughs> Stephen right Jesus Christ right so we've got um, what have we got we've got you bastard Cameron Carter we've got Cameron Carter Vickers Jim Davidson we'll back on, we're back on track right Josip <laughs> Juranovic is going to the World Cup Aaron Moy we have Dyson Maeda all going to the World Cup Pop quiz, who do you think it's not a quiz, a prediction? Who do you think is going to go who do you think is going to go further? Or furthest in the Juranovic probably. I think mm. uh, his team are great. He's playing in there. And Croatia just always seem to do it for I me. Know. They're very good. I did watch the Japan USA friendly recently and USA just didn't look up too much. Japan do have a lot of good players, so well maybe you can see why uh, Hatati wasn't there, but I just think it's going to be difficult for all all of them apart mm. from Juranovic probably there's difficult groups Australia probably up against it as well Japan will be very difficult to get out of that group they've got a very good group but I think Juranovic Croatia just yeah, so they're in with Belgium Canada and Morocco you know, so you'd mm. fancy them to sort of get out of that group wouldn't you? Yeah, possibly I think I think USA are probably get the toughest 
run at mm. it. I think they, as we we previously discussed, they're the only group in the tournament that has all four teams in the top twenty of the FIFA rankings. So it's quite tough for England as well. Everyone thinks oh England will just walk it, but it's a, a really tough group. I think Iran will be um, under courses. underrated. Mm. I would dark horse in there. So I I don't really expect any of them to do much in the tournament. I think Juranovic is by by far the greatest chance of. I've shown up in it because because of the you know, the nature of him being in the best team, mm. uh, Croatia. Although, kind of like I've been waiting for Modric to get old one day to just wake up one Not day happening, and, and all of a sudden he's finished. Still hasn't happened yet, but I've been waiting for that with Croatia. Only twenty seven. <laughs> but Croatia seem like they've, they've just been the, the same team for like Aye. decades now, and mm. they just keep getting older and older, and they still turn up and do it. So it'll be interesting to see how they get on. But I think Japan will be up against it in Australia. Not to offend our, our, our valued Australian viewers and all that, but their team looks pretty bleak, to be honest. Yeah. It's full of like Hearts players and Dundee United. A lot and, of them are uh, travelling through Scotland. Yeah, a lot yeah, of Australian several, players yeah. are, and, and cum dogs playing as well. <laughs> uh, I noticed that Aaron Moy has been available for, I think, three World Cups uh, effectively since he made his debut for Australia. The only one he didn't get to was the one that um, Ange Postacoglu was the manager. <laughs> he, he, didn't pick him for the, he didn't pick him for the World Cup. Um, Celts go to Australia. And you you were saying you're sort of hanging on for Modric to get old and you're waiting for Croatia to fall off. I think the whole football world is hanging on waiting for Frank Lampard to get sacked. <laughs> I yeah. am astounded. I think, honestly, just reading the press before this game, I think he might get sacked while he's in Australia. I think while he's over in Australia, the board will be doing things. I think they're looking at Biesla and all this. I think they'll be working on replacing him while he's... Away from the away out of the country, oh, well, they'd already paid for his flights to Australia, and it's a hassle to change names uh, and all that. It's so expensive. they basically just, just let him go. Remember, yeah. uh, Villa sacked Gerard need to get the bus home. Imagine <laughs> they sacked Lampard needs to get the plane home. Twenty-two hours home. <laughs> <laughs> he just lands sitting watching up on his wee screen, <laughs> just <laughs> greeting and all that. Cool just, runnings. Uh, hopefully, well, he's already Ange has already been linked with that job. They're just trying everything to link mm. him with any job. I don't see it happening, but. English league, it's more a coaches league now. So you're looking at guys want to be there, don't they? They've got great coaches at poor teams down there, and you're just looking at Lampard's really sticks out in that league, uh, doesn't he? He's the kind of guy that he he, he just got the job. A bit like Stephen Gerrard, right? he just got the job, though probably more so based purely on his. As, oh, yeah. as, a, as, an, as an England legend well you look at what teams are able to do down there with the money they're paying managers I think people sometimes underestimate it because hilariously Rangers I mean maybe they will get him but Rangers are linked to Hasenhuttle when he get the sack for Southampton I think people underestimate just how much they get paid down there yeah. I think Rodgers went from what 2.5 million at Celtic to a bit close to 10 down mm. there with Leicester or something like that how many Biel- years ago was that now 6 I, or I 7 I think Bielsa was on about 8 to 10 million and all that as well so these these teams are going out and getting former Real Madrid managers to come in and firefight to try and keep them up. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what you're dealing with in England. Well, Everton had Ancelotti. Everton <laughs> ever, ever had Ancelotti. So you've got Lopetegui down there now as well. And what's his name at Aston Villa? It's escaped me for uh, something. Good evening. Yeah, uh, yes, uh, Unai Emery. Unai Emery, thank yes. you. So guys like that coming into pretty middle-of-the-road teams and then you've got guys like Gerard and Lampard, as Melissa says, sticking out like a sore thumb. He's a bit of an anachronism, isn't he, yeah. Lampard? He's a bit of a throwback to a time gone by when uh, you would just get a player I mean Wayne Rooney as well at Derby didn't yeah, really yeah. work out he's no, he's a good manager yeah. old Eddie Howe doing well down there Eddie, yeah. is how, Eddie Howe is doing quite well down there but you know what the less said about him the better his name's not allowed on this podcast <laughs> his name's not allowed on this Fraud. podcast anymore yeah. we're not just going over to play friendlies in Australia Stephen and just going over to be inducted into the Football Australia Hall of Fame the most I think they called him the most significant and the most prominent 
uh, Australian men's soccer figure working today. Really? Really? Uh, and obviously they're going to induct him at the Hall of Fame. But my question to you is, and you probably get it because it's quite easy, any other um, Celtic-related Australian football inductees in the Hall of Fame? Must Butuka? be... Okay. I was going to say Harry Kuehl right enough because he's, he's no, Celtic related oh, now as well yeah. I completely forgot about Harry Kuehl yeah no Mark Viduka's in there as well yeah. but it just shows you you're saying and just starting to get linked with job just shows you the stature of the guy it's he's he's clearly not one that just wants to I, I know this is a terrible thing to say in a Celtic podcast but he, he seems like a guy that's just not happy to just be doing a wee bit at Celtic he, he likes international recognition he likes to be on the stage and coming to Celtic and doing what he's done in the Champions League and the way that he's turned the team around has really accelerated his profile in Europe hasn't it? Yeah I think these these friendlies as well will only serve to as much as they don't necessarily mean a lot to us on the other side of the world friendlies are, are can be quite tedious affairs I think mm. only with this uh, playing of these and we'll probably get to see some of the, the reaction down there to the Australian fans. Yeah. We all felt the tidal wave of goodwill that arrived at us when Ange was signed up to the job because, well, let's face it, let's admit it, we all kind of slightly turned our nose up at it mm. when it was first announced, but Australia's, Australia got in touch. So yeah, Australia made, did, yeah. made their feelings felt. So it's only, it's only now in the fullness of time, and this will probably strengthen it again, Showing us just how much he means to just football down there, yeah. not, not only just Celtic fans, of which there are a number in Australia. So I, I'll be interested to see, as much as I don't really care about the results or really anything to do with it, other than hoping nobody gets injured or anything like that. It's I'm I'm really happy for Ange that he gets to go and do that. I want us to pump Everton. Oh, I want yeah, us to yeah, make yeah, that life a misery. And in fairness <laughs> to Ange, Ange has said uh, <laughs> it's important for the fans as well. And that, that doesn't necessarily include us if we don't really care about the nature of friendlies, but we talk all the time about the, the global fan base and how Celtic are a, a broad church, a massive mm. club all over the world. And all that. So you can't just exclude them. You can't just say, yeah. oh, well, who cares about friendlies? And all that. Australians are actually getting to see the, the team up close. So that can only be a good thing. I, I want Frank Lampard coming back for that play. I have to go the way stupid Australia to play stupid Celtic. <laughs> stupid beating him, getting the stupid sack. I, uh, like, I, I, want, I don't... Uh, it matters to me. Can I, I imagine in a... Another world that they hadn't a shot it out the friendly, and it was Celtic v Rangers well, over there, it. man. Oh, we could have buried Geo in a friendly. Imagine that. Well, it, 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 and you know what? They've done the right thing because they knew probably that they'd get battled in this friendly. But also, they posted a loss in their accounts recently. I saw that was all over social media. And this couple of million could have helped them out a wee bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, could have helped them out. But they, no, they didn't fancy it. Melly, have you got much interest in Australia friendlies? I look forward to it. It's going to be a long time without Celtic, so uh, be interesting to see how we do and like. It's, it's another one that you're looking at going I'm quite disappointed a few more players aren't at the World Cup while it's good for Celtic and they get to rest up and all that mm. like, you want to see your guys out there representing on the big stage so this will keep us tidying over for a bit and look, it's, it's good to get out there the USA friendlies were always quite good as well weren't they we played some big teams over there and as well I'd like to get one over the Frankie boy as well I, I, I do I appreciate that point and I agree as well but you could I think you could equally say that it'd be brilliant if we had more players at the World Cup as well it would be yeah. better for them and better yeah. for probably Celtic in the long term and just spoken about that in the past as well yes there is the the decreased you know, potential of injury and arrest and all that but I think it'd be great for Kyogo to go and play oh, the World Cup and then come back to Scotland. I think it would have been brilliant. It's not happening now, and I think that's disappointing. So the, the only thing we're left with is to look at it as a positive, but I'd have loved him to go. You're looking at that Celtic squad, and there are players there that you think are no too far away, that you would probably see them at, at a World Cup, probably at the next one. Matt O'Reilly's probably got a decent shout again at the World Cup if, he, yeah, keeps, oh, if yeah. he keeps playing the way he's playing. 
Rio Hatati has probably got a decent shoot. Anyone else? I mean, if they might, Scotland, be, they might not be representing Celtic at that point. No, they won't so be representing Celtic. But what I'm saying is they've got a bright international future. Oh, Obviously, yeah, the yeah. Celtic players playing for Scotland and all that sort of stuff. Am I missing anyone out? Jota? Uh, Jota, maybe. Uh, but I, I, a very good team. Hi. Very That's good team. Very good team. Anyway, on that, should we wrap up? Yeah, why not? Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash 20 minute Tim's. Get extra podcasts, get extra content, get extra videos. It's not stopping during the World Cup. So support us if you like all this. It's uh, patreon.com slash 20 minute Tim's. But most of all, thank you so much for listening and watching. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.